The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 136 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Doing well. I think uh, everything feels okay in the world right nothing wrong is going on oh man we are we are gonna be in no politics chat we sometimes we get into it and we might have to get into it a little bit talking about Kyrie Irving at some point but boy oh boy I don't want to <laughs> what it was there to say you know well you know it's that's going to be the theme of the podcast like sort of panic level how nervous should you be and that's sort of modern society, right? Like everyone looks ahead to this bright future, but that never happens. Like we're always worried about something, sometimes legitimate, sometimes not. So that's, should teams be worried, legitimate or not? Yeah. And I think that it's it's interesting because we talked at the beginning of the show, or the, the, the first episode of the season pretty much about, you know, like how good we thought Brooklyn looked and they're five and six, they're under 500 with Kevin Durant. And, and Kyrie obviously has not played since I believe last Wednesday. Durant finally back on Sunday night. They still lose to Oklahoma City. They, they lose Spencer Dinwiddie, so we talked about that. The Hawks looked very good early, and then there is this rumor of this like explosive film session with Trey Young and John Collins, and the Hawks are under Well, let's get into it individually. Which which of those interests you the most? Well, I want to. I don't know. We've talked about the, we've talked about the Nets an awful lot, so I guess uh, I guess the Hawks are probably worth talking about because they started. 3-0, then 4-1, and one, and then they've dropped their last four. And, and they've they play lost. on Monday night to Philadelphia. So they might lose again, and, and then at Phoenix, at Utah, at Portland. It's not an easy sled in here. Yeah, we talked about their schedule, but then, but like we didn't expect them to drop back-to-back games, and it wasn't even a back-to-back, but they lose two games in a row to Charlotte in four days, and uh, LaMelo Ball on uh, Saturday night sets the record for youngest ever to record a triple-double. Looks pretty good, but you know, the, the, the weird thing, and this is on The Athletic too, but the Trey Young-John Collins relationship, which we just kind of assumed was fine, uh, it, it seems to have kind of boiled over a little bit in the sense that just seven games into the year, they have a film session and John Collins doesn't even yell at Trey Young, just sort of says like, hey, we need to get into our offense a little bit faster. Like, I'd like a few more things to be run through me. And, and at least from what we're seeing reported, it, it doesn't seem like it was super explosive and then Trey Young comes out against the Hornets the next day and just has a, an abysmal game and now I did watch that game and they switched from man to zone a bunch to try to like kind of screw him up but again we didn't see the volume that we would specifically see from from Trey Young where you know he's involved on a ton of plays and he's using a ton of possessions and it it appears that he just pouted like he was just upset and was like you know what forget it like I don't I don't really care to win this game and that is not good to see. Then they play him again. They lose. Bogdan Bogdanovich gets hurt. He has an avulsion fracture. So we don't know quite how long he's going to be out. And I wonder what 
Lloyd Pierce's leashes. I, 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 I it's yeah, crazy there was, to say there are that. some rumors that they were, the stars were not happy with Lloyd Pierce. He's entering year three. Um, obviously, it's not had a winning year yet, and this is supposed to be it, or at least close to five hundred. And they're, you know, they're trending in the wrong direction in that regard. I mean, he. This is the last year of his deal, and like, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't imagine that he was a favorite on Bovada Sportsbook to be the first coach fired. And and given what's going on in Washington, and we'll we'll get to the Wizards in a little bit. Like it still seems like Scotty Brooks is the favorite, but if if Lloyd Pierce really is, if this those is are the last... two guys. I you know in the preseason I wrote like most likely coaches to get fired, and number one and two were Scotty Brooks and, and Lloyd Pierce. And knowing that they had a chance, both of them had a chance to make the playoffs. But if they didn't, they'd probably get fired, and that and that's a risky bet. I just wonder. So I want to talk about this Trey Young game. This the first game against Charlotte. They they played them on uh, January sixth, and Trey Young goes two for nine from the field. Five assists, or I'm sorry, three assists, seven turns, four fouls in 35 minutes. And we've seen guys do this before where, like, all of a sudden their games are very, very different. Do, do you know, like, if if I just had asked you, like, how many games last year did Trey Young shoot it less than nine times? Like, would you guess under 40? Like, do you, do you oh, have a, sure. would, would you guess, for like, sure. how many times he shot it under that many times? I, I thought you were going to say under, like, four. I mean, like. Um, he took under nine shots in a game last year in 60 games twice, two times. Yeah. And one, one time I believe, yeah, both, both games he took under nine shots were games he played 15 and 11 minutes, both games that he came out of early. And so like, well, let's talk about it because this has been going around on social media too, of like the theory and that, you know, Trey Young was drawing a ton of fouls early on and with a lot of like stop and starts and like kind of crafty moves. And then they play Brooklyn, and I think one of his heroes, Coach Steve, Steve Nash, Nash yeah. who yelled about, this isn't basketball, this is terrible, and he got a lot of flack for it. And then literally since then, you either, you know, correlation, causation, you tell me, his free throws have, like, cut in a third. And he's not being as aggressive with with trying to get to the line. It's and again, it's such a small sample size, and he didn't get to the line 15 times a game last year. I mean, it wasn't a huge number. So, do you think it had something to do with it? I mean, I don't know. He shot 15 free throws against the Knicks like three games later. So, I don't know. I I don't. I you know, I think that's a skill drawing fouls. We've talked about it on this show before. And he, several and he did times. draw nine a game last year, so it's not like he's allergic to the free throw. Right. And and again, it's it's a it's a situation where like he. You know, he's he started out, he shot five for, I think he was five for five for three in the first half of the first game of the year. And everyone's like, oh my God, Trey Young's going to go nuts. And now he is, I believe, if I'm doing my math correctly, one for his last 14 from three. So obviously that matters a little bit as well. I don't I don't necessarily buy the fouls because like, again, he, he's good at drawing fouls. He's very good at like snaking pick and rolls and having guys run into him, which was like specifically what Steve Nash was mad about. And that's something that guys are really good at. That's something that Chris Paul has done for years. And we, we watch Chris Paul do it over and over again, where he's in the front court and he just slows down and a guy barrels into him and they call a foul. And it's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's interesting that Steve, Steve Nash, excuse me, decided to harp on that. You know what I mean? Like it's of, of all the guys to make that a point of emphasis. I'm surprised that Steve Nash decided I, to make that kind of like his first. Like big, first, you know what? I think will. it was kind of effective. Honestly, Definitely. like I, I think it got into his head a little bit. And, you know, we saw a little bit of this James Harden. You know, obviously he's the one who's the best at, like, drawing fouls. 
And there was a period of last year, towards the second half of last year, where he was getting a lot of flack for it. And he kind of changed his game a little bit, started letting Westbrook score more. Maybe it was partly that too, like trying to get Westbrook in a rhythm. I think temporarily it does kind of shame you. Um, and then to stop, but it's like, possible. it's, it's certainly not good for Trey young, not to try to get fouls. Like that. I think that's what you said, like such an impressive part of his game, because the idea is like Harden can draw a lot of fouls. Cause he's like this big tank and he can take the contact and Steph Curry doesn't draw a lot of fouls. And Kyrie Irving doesn't draw a lot of fouls. Cause they're different kind of players. They're smaller guards and Trey Young's like tiny and he's getting to line 10 times a game. And that that's really good for his game in terms of efficiency. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's funny with Atlanta because if Lloyd Pierce gets fired, like I'm not sure that like Travis Schlank is okay. And I don't want to I don't want to say that I think Lloyd Pierce is going to get fired. Like I would say, like if I went and I bet on it on Bovada, like maybe I would, maybe it should be like I don't know minus one ten, like just a straight coin flip right. that he would get fired. Right? Like it doesn't seem. Well, do you think it? Do you think it's as simple as? Make the playoffs you're in, you miss the playoffs, you're fired, and that could be 50-50. I don't know. I don't know if it's that simple. Cause you you had said to me privately that there's some other whispers that like like you said, guys don't like playing for him. And I, I don't know that I know, I have heard that. I, I certainly have not heard that guys don't like playing for him, but I have heard that guys are unhappy with their roles. And it it, it makes sense. Like we we talked about this with Atlanta before they have a lot of good players, right? Like if this was like NBA 2K, like you'd want to play with Atlanta, right? Because they have like great shooters, guys who can make shots, guys who are really good in the open floor. You don't need to care so much about defense. Like they have Capella, they have Okongwu, like centers that like you you can throw lobs to or whatever. But DeAndre Hunter like might be their second best player. And like he needs to play minutes. And then if he's playing minutes, then what happens to Cam Reddish, who, who looked better than DeAndre Hunter did last year? And he's kind of blocked. And then you, you've got John Collins, who didn't negotiate a contract extension. He's a restricted free agent. He's said to be asking for $100 million. He's unhappy with your point guard, who is the face of your franchise. So, like, are you going to match an extension for him? Gallinari hadn't even played yet. Bogdanovich right. is hurt. <laughs> and uh, Chris that, that Dunn hasn't be... played. Like, we don't know what's going to happen with this team. Like, honestly. In a, like, in a way, it's, it's to your point, it's good and bad that there's injuries because it, like, clears the deck a little bit because they're maybe overcrowded and lets people play. But then what happens when Gallinari's full strength? What happens when Bogdanovich comes back? It might be a while. Yeah, Kongwu hasn't played at all. He's been hurt. Chris Dunn hasn't played at all. Yeah. Like, it, so like you gotta you're gonna have to like squeeze these guys in somehow. And and it's 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 weird because like I mean they've gotten two games out of Rondo, and again, like that that Rondo contract didn't really make a whole lot of sense to begin with when you already had Chris Dunn. And like they they benched Bogdanovich the other day in the fourth quarter for Brandon Goodwin, like what? What is Brandon Goodwin even like? Nathan Knight from William and Mary, he's on a two-way. At one point, was the first big off their bench. Like, and, and they still have guys like Kevin Herter's a good player, right? Like Solomon Hill can play NBA minutes. They they have Tony Snell, right? Like he hasn't played any minutes. It's it's just this is a weird collection of guys. And I told you, you the know, beginning you, of the season. No, it's hard for them. It's like they were so bad defensively the last couple of years. Yeah, and you add a bunch of offensive talent, but. None of those guys are like stoppers. Gallinari, Bogdanovich. No, you know, I guess Capella is supposed to be good. Everyone, everyone they added, with the exception of Chris Dunn, is a horrendous defender. Even even like Capella yeah. is like not a great, great rim protector. And their defense isn't terrible. It's nineteenth right now, but um, it's like, how do you expect to get much better on defense if you don't if you don't change coaches, you don't really change defensive personnel? Trey Young's not getting any bigger. Um. I just think it's tough because like, 
they're going to be bad defensively. And it's, to- it's hard, you know, the Wizards, your, your local heroes, it makes it. Well, it, it's like with Trey Young, Zan, like he's going to get guys fired because you have to like lean into what he wants if you're going to build your team yes. around him. And like to be Steph Curry, it, it, I, I think like we just sneezed at how good Steph Curry was and is still, obviously. Like it's all this nonsense with like they get Kevin Durant, they have Clay Thompson, they have Draymond Green, and you got idiots like me saying Draymond Green's the most important person on the Golden State Warriors. And I still believe that defensively, but like you have to be like damn near perfect to be a little guard and be the best player on your team. And, and here's not- a really re- maybe silly question, but I don't think it's silly because Trey Young shoots a ton, he scores a ton, his efficiency is you know up and down. Um, He's only shooting 41%, only 28% from three. What is he closer to Steph Curry or is he closer to Jordan Clarkston? Oh man, that's good. Uh, he's wow. That's a good one. He's, he's, he's closer to Steph Curry. I, I don't know. That's pretty Jordan Clarkson is probably not close to as bad defensively as uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan Clarkson can light it up or Lou Williams in, in limited minutes. I, I think it's, I think the issue here is, is he going to be Damian Lillard and it's not. And then that's no knock on Dame. Who's one of the best five to eight players in the NBA, but like you can't win a title with Dame without your team being like pretty perfectly constructed. Right. Like that, that's just the bottom line. And like Portland is not that. And Portland's fun to watch. Portland is fun to root for. But at the end of the day, Portland is just not a real title contender. They're just not. And, and there are some things they could probably do to build around Dame. But, like, you have to be so good. You have to be, like, I mean, you need, like, you got to be, like, a 43% shooter on, like, 15 threes a game. And, like, you've got to be able to have the level of gravity that he does. And when, and when Steph gives up the ball, he's on the move, and you have to pay attention to him. And it's, like, Trey Young, I think, tries to make up for that by being a better passer. But at the same time, like, even his passing, like, there are whispers around the league that he like hunts assists and there are whispers around the league that like he cares much more about stats because of this whole like Luka Doncic thing. And like, I don't want to turn this into like, we're, we're piling on Trey young, but we are talking about year three. He is a guy that wants to win. They did sign veterans, even though they drafted young guys to grow with him. So now they're blocking those young guys. And it's, this was supposed to be a year that like, okay, now you're going to win 40 games. Well, you have expectations now and you need to meet those expectations. And being outplayed by LaMelo Ball on the <laughs> twice in three days is really, really bad for Trey Young. It's really well, bad. And also, like, you're, it's like a long-term trend. Like, is this who he is, who he wants to be? Like, you know, going back to college, the, the rap was, like, great stats, doesn't have enough talent around him to win. Big. You know, I think they made the tournament, but then they lost. Um, and then now that you've added around, uh, surrounded him with a lot of talent, he still seems to want the ball in his hands all the time. Um, which isn't like the worst thing in the world, right? No, like you, I mean, do they need like a secondary like creator though? Like, I mean, all these guys are like scorers, kind it's of. It's supposed like, to be but, Bogdanovich, right? And it's supposed to be Rondo. It's supposed to be Chris Dunn because like it's never going to be DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish. Like those guys are wings. Like Kevin Herter's a wing. So like maybe I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they do need his CJ McCollum, if you will. I just don't. I just don't see it, man. Like, if you're just always going to be a net neutral player because you give back so much on defense. Like, Steph, when the Warriors really turned the corner when Steve Kerr got there and they started switching a ton, like, Mark Jackson, for all of his flaws, had had turned the Warriors into a pretty good defensive team. And then they unleashed Draymond and, like, David Lee got hurt and they just became an elite defensive team as well. And so 
Steph was an average defender around a bunch of above average defenders. But like Trey Young's not close to an average defender. He's not. And so when you have him at a below average defender around a bunch of other like average to below average defenders, like it's going to be ugly. Yeah. And like the argument I always say to defend him is, you know, using that like Isaiah Boston's Isaiah Thomas year, that MVP year, like he was still terrible on defense, but the team around him was good enough to make a like, top 10 defense. So like yeah. it's possible. Um, but right now it's just, you're right. Like all the stats say he's about a neutral player um, just because of how bad he is on defense. Yeah, it seems it like hard to do. I mean, unless he's just like shooting lights out and he hasn't, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that's the answer. Like he's just not really shooting a ton of threes. You know, he's only shooting five and a half a game. It's gotta be more if he's going to play the way that he does. Yeah. I mean, like this is the league now where it's okay to shoot 10 threes a game. You know, and we're not even, I think like, obviously like John Collins has his flaws too. Like this is not a situation where I think John Collins is in the right necessarily. I'm just saying what I heard is that he wasn't standoffish to, to Trey Young. But I do think if you're Trey Young, like you've, you're going to have to take some coaching and you're going to have to listen to your teammates because you're just, you're, you need to be like part of Steph Curry's charm too, is that like, I guess like other than Kevin Durant, like we read about how he and KD both were like too afraid to take the ball too much. Right. We read about that. But like that's part of Steph's charm is like people want to play with him. And I think if you're Trey Young, you, you need to be in that boat because you want to have people want to come to Atlanta to play with you. And right. I don't know that we're seeing that from him right now on a team uh, that has a lot of talent, you know, a lot. And it's a good city, you know, I mean, uh, for NBA players. Uh, I'm not super pan- – if you're saying like a panic meter, like 1 to 10, I'm still like at a 4 because I'll tell you why – the teams ahead of them in like the race for the playoffs, like Orlando is ahead of them, six and four. I think they'll sag down a little bit. Charlotte five and five. I think they'll be a little worse. Cleveland and the Knicks are also five and five. And I'm, I'm just not buying those teams as like true 500 teams. I think Orlando's better than them from what I've seen. Orlando maybe, but like the Knicks, I think it's been written about. They've been kind of lucky in terms of opponents, three point percentage. I think they'll win 25 games this year. Like, I don't think they're a real playoff team. Yeah. And you know, Markel Fultz torn ACL, which is just brutal news to see I, how luckily he got paid, which is good to hear, but like, it sucks. He was having a good year. Like he was playing well for them to start the season. And so tough luck for Markel Fultz. And that obviously is a killer for Orlando. So, so gun to your head. Atlanta's four and five. Do you think they'll make the top eight, not the play-in tournament? No, right now I don't think they will. Uh, I, but, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe Toronto is still not very good, right? Atlanta's, like, advanced stats, besides the last two games against Charlotte, like, Atlanta's advanced stats are pretty good. So I, I would expect them to figure it out. But I just don't – like, if Bogdanovich is out for a lot longer – he may be we don't know you don't really have surgery and avulsion fracture you kind of just rest so like he could be out a month he could be out two months who knows they could have a COVID outbreak we've we've seen how that's mattered but I just don't like Cleveland is pretty okay like the Knicks are pretty okay like the 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 Celtics are good the Heat are pretty good like Toronto I'd expect to be better Orlando I'd expect to be better I just I just don't think Atlanta's going to figure it out this year. Maybe they're a year away. Like everyone was like, Hey, like their over under is great. Like this is going to be a pretty good team. But like, as we saw with the wizards, like you had a very short time in the regular season or in the preseason to figure it out. You've got to kind of roll with what you've got right now because you're playing games a ton. And then, you know, you got to let the chips fall where they may. And I just, I'm just not confident that Atlanta's going to figure it out more so than I think like, I know Thibs has an identity. Like I know that, 
Steve Clifford knows what he's doing in Orlando. You know what I mean? Like, I just know that those things exist and it makes me feel more comfortable in a team like that, even though they do have less talent. Right. Well, and I think you're right. Maybe that's the key point. Like maybe it was a year premature and it actually happened last year. Remember people were really excited about Atlanta taking this jump and it didn't happen last year. And they were, and they were like flat out bad, but I don't yeah, think they were got worse last year. They won 20 games last year. And then this year, people over under 34 and a half, you know, that's a massive jump you know, in a short season. Like, so maybe we were just too excited. Not us. I think we all hammered like the under, but fans are just like caught up in the idea. You, you know, you, you did say Trey Young, maybe MVP candidate, um, but it could have happened. I mean, like you see it, you see the, like the formula there. It's just, it's, it's didn't work yet. I guess Bovada was smart in not putting his odds on the board. So idiots like me couldn't go just like punt cash off on there. And, <laughs> you know, uh, like I, I think you're like dream on love is like over height you know he's been quietly like awesome since he's no i'm just going to say like if atlanta had draymond like just like a guy like that to kind of like glue it all together i do think they would like jump up and be like a 40 and and i I wonder like if i wonder if that's gallinari like and and i don't obviously from a defensive standpoint it's certainly not but he is a guy that can be a secondary creator he is a guy that can take some pressure off of trey young and again i don't even know I don't even know like what pressure Trey Young really has. I do think there are expectations when you're the one, not necessarily behind the scenes pulling the strings, but you are saying like, "Hey, I want to win games. Like, I, I, right. I want to make the and playoffs." I, yeah, I don't think the pressure is on him. I think the pressure, your to your point, is like it's on Lloyd Pierce, it's on Travis Schlinky, the GM. Even like, I think those two guys are next in line to have their, you know, the the yeah. Trey Young is getting paid. He's at their gate. The hordes at their gate. Yeah. <laughs> The Bovada At Odds Podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bovada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us. We'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bovada At Odds Podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so you think do you Atlanta? Think, do you think the Trump people should have reversed course and just gone to Atlanta and like stormed <laughs> the building and demanded Travis Schling's head? You think I'm not biting on this? So you have what Atlanta has a four out of ten on the panic meter? I I but I tend to agree with you that just because it's like I don't see any rush, you know, like next year would probably have been the goal. But I think you're right. I think they'll be like the ninth seed. I think they'll have to like play in, and I don't think it's going to happen for them this year. All right, let's switch to a team that I think is a ten out of ten on the panic meter. Like I think it's a 10 or maybe the meter's broken and it's just like a zero out of 10 and they're just gonna you know whatever the wizards are a 10 out of 10 on the panic meter like you're saying they they, they sold the panic meter. i don't even parts. i don't even think they I, I don't even think it's worth at this point so the wizards are two and eight as of this recording uh, they have i i believe brad beal because of contact trace tracing with jason tatum who has covid i believe uh brad beal is out until I think he's playing in in their next game, but that's bad radio. Uh, Westbrook is day to day with a dislocated finger. That doesn't even matter. He looks like he's 45 years old. And then Thomas Bryant tears his ACL against the heat, which is just a brutal blow both to Thomas Bryant, but also to the wizards as he had been their second best player, I think by like a pretty considerable margin. And I don't know. I don't know what Tommy Shepard's plan is. I am. 100% 100% confident at this point that Scott Brooks will no longer be the coach of the Washington Wizards at the end of this season. I certainly don't know if they'll let him coach out the year. Leonsis is pretty 
Yeah, I think they will. Well, when you're two and eight, what's like, what? Yeah, like, what's the point? Like, it just doesn't matter, right? So, like, the like, panic meter, it's like the siren's been going off, but they're so used to it, it becomes like white it's noise. It's there. like they don't even notice it anymore. Yeah, it, I think, like, the one of the things with Washington, and I, I, I haven't, as you know, I had an issue with the way things went down with Wall, and I, I understand them saying, like, we don't know if John Wall, like, from an athletic standpoint, is ever going to be the same guy again. I get it. Tours Achilles hadn't played in 18 months. And it's not like he's killing in Houston. Like he certainly looks as athletic as he was before, but he's not like amazing. But when you look at Russ and he looks like the less explosive of the two players right now, I just don't understand. Like one, I don't understand what the Wiz medical staff was doing. And two, like, I don't understand. Like we saw Russ look diminished in the bubble last year. And I defended that because he was so good at when the season shut down. But this year, he looks even worse than the guy in the bubble. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, it, it, I, we've talked about this before. Like, with quarterbacks, like, when your arm is done, it's done, right? It's just yeah. over. Is he, I mean, Cam Newton's actually a good comp because he was just, like, overwhelmingly so, yeah. dominant. Both great fashion guys, well. too. That's actually a yeah, tremendous man. comparison. One of your and best. And polarizing, you know, in terms of their fan base. Um, Russ can't beat anyone off the dribbles, Ann. Like, I, I'll, we'll, we'll get to the rest of the Wizards' problems, like Bertans isn't shooting it well or whatever. But, like, if, I, if I'm Tommy Shepard and I want to keep my job and I don't think he's keeping his job either, which is a shame because I think Tommy's pretty good. Like, I'm trading Brad Beal. I'm trading Davis Bertans. And I'm just like, whatever. We'll just let the chips fall where they may with, with Russ. And just, if we get the first pick, great. Like I'm it's serious. Like albatross. I, yeah, I mean, like it's you know the albatross is like the idea is like you just can't compete with this thing hanging around your neck. Um, and I and some people thought that was John Wall's contract, and I think it's hard to argue that it's not Russell Westbrook's contract. I mean, he's 32. His play is getting worse and worse. He's making 40 plus million for the next few years. And, you know, like quick shout out to the, you know, the Warriors, like it's really hard to compete when you're, when you have like a $30 million guy on the bench, you know, um, or just not contributing. And it's just, what can you do? I mean, they're, they're committed to Westbrook for the next few yeah. years. I mean, he's not they're, they're He's going to be there. And it's and again, like, and, and I don't know, like, it's hard to say like, all right, do we think he's totally done is this a lingering effect from the bubble and having to play later in the year and not having enough time to get his body right i, I don't know but when you he's 32 watch, he'll be 35 at the end of this contract be making 47 million dollars and and i i mean damn like i don't know how many people we know or even read that have been as big of westbrook defenders as i have it's just because you never, you know, we talk about it when the athleticism was gone, it was, it was going to be a big problem, but like he, he was amazing at the stoppage of the season last year, you know, like the last month of the year before the season shut down, like January to February, he was like unbelievably good. And then all of a sudden, like, I mean, he, he looks like, I don't, I don't even know. I, I haven't seen a point guard look this diminished from his peak in like a long time. Like he looks even like Derek Rose looks way more explosive than him. Well, you know, here's an idea for Russell Westbrook and it's not a good solution because you're paying him, as we mentioned, $45 million a year. But like, you know, I've always thought this about Russell Westbrook, even when he was in his prime, you know, winning MVPs. I'm like, wouldn't he just be a great sixth man? And, you know, taking, he's playing 37 minutes a night. Like what if to manage his body, manage his energy, you know, and he does seem to have unlimited energy, but like maybe the gas tank is just like low. Yeah, like what if he, you know, plays 30 minutes a night even? I, I mean, like 
I don't know. I, plays, I don't know. Sixty percent of the games or something. I don't know. Not he's not like Blake Griffin where he's that fragile, but it's just like you having this volume of playing time and shots is just not working. He's shooting fifteen twos a game, as we said, and he's shooting forty percent from two. I mean, it's 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 like really bad. I don't know that there's anybody in the NBA like we were we were very hard on Killian Hayes in our last episode, and now Killian Hayes is hurt with a hip injury, and he'll be out a month or so, which is probably, you know, let him get his sea legs under him. But like in terms of the volume that Russell Westbrook consumes, like the guys that have similar like offensive ratings to him are like Cam Reddish, Anthony Edwards, Dennis Smith, like Darius Baisley. You know, those are not the guys that you want to see. And I don't understand this too. Like, Like, you know, they say that about like, NFL running backs or whatever. As you get older, you want to lose weight or you have to shift your game or whatever. Um, you know, Marcus all got older, started shooting threes. You have to kind of adjust, right? And Westbrook just hasn't. He he hasn't become a better shooter. The free throw percentage has just like dropped like a rock, like strangely. He doesn't, he doesn't I don't even understand like, it. He doesn't even like draw fouls anymore. Like no, and then explain this to me, like as a coach. So seven straight years in his prime. Westbrook shot 80% from the line. And the last four years, 74, 66, 76, down to 66 this year. Like, how does a good free throw shooter shoot 66% from the line? I, I have no idea, honestly. I've, I've said this I've said this before. Like, I am not a shot doctor by any means. Because that doesn't have to do with athleticism. People say it's like the they change like his routine or whatever. It's it's certainly I just can't believe that changes that much. It's certainly possible. I, I guess like the issue with Russ, and, and again, I, I've, I've mentioned this before, and I, I 100% like I fully believe this. Okay, so this is not me getting on a microphone as a talking head and just disagreeing with Zan about Russell Westbrook because like that's that's fun, right? He provides enough value that he the, the the issue is his contract, right? Like at forty seven million, like you're never gonna produce that type of value. Right. But given given the passing and the way that he used to be able to bend the defense and like the rebounding, like he provides enough value that he's not like the worst player in the NBA, right? Like he's not no. he's not Kelly Oubre, like he's not Killian Hayes, like he is a okay player. But on this Wizards team as bad as they are defensively, you can't have a guy like him who loses focus all the time and just does whatever he wants. And then like, they have to give the ball to Beal a ton. Like if you could get Russ to take like, I don't even know, like 10 shots a game, maybe. Right. Like it would be that, possible that he would be right now. He's like almost entirely a, 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 a league average player. And that's so much of that is tied into his rebounding and assists because his offensive value is just not there anymore. From a, from right. a score. Well, yeah, you're right. And that maybe that's what I meant more about adjusting his role. Instead of like trying for 30, 10, and 10, you try for 15, 15, and 15 or something. Like I mean, just really not look just, to be a scorer. His true shooting percentage is 44%. Like that is. But, you know, maybe he'll heat up. And you made the point last year. Like he averaged 27, 7, and 7 last year. I mean, he had a pretty good year in the regular season. Yeah, he also, he also played with. I, I say what you will about Bradley Beal, who's currently leading the NBA in scoring, but James Harden is a basketball savant. Like Harden is as smart as they come. Like the, the, the basketball IQ list is like LeBron, Jokic, Chris Paul, Harden, whatever. Brad Beal, good player, not quite there. And then he also played with a coach who we know is, I mean, Mike D'Antoni, if he never wins a title, 
is probably going to go down as like the second or third best offensive coach of all time. I mean, he, he changed the way people played the game. Like, so we knew that when they traded for us, like the Rockets would have a plan. Like what the hell was the Wizards plan? And it's, and it's hard in this day and age. Like, you know, you see the scoring is just out of control. It feels like too easy to score. It's just like teams are smarter. They're shooting more threes. The league's true shooting percentage has gone up for six years in a row. Yeah. Right now it's at 56.7. Like that's like the bar. So if you're, if you're 10 points below that, I mean, you're just, it's hard to make up that difference. Here's a good example of why the Wizards panic button doesn't exist anymore. So the Wizards are number one in pace in the NBA, which is not altogether shocking. They have players that you'd want to run with and you'd, they have some talent. The Wizards are 27th in defense. And when you're so bad in defense, when you're worse defensively than you are good offensively, you don't want to maximize possessions for the other team, right? So if you're Washington right. and you're two and eight and your panic button's going, you should stop and watch film and be like, you know what? Like maybe the best plan for this collection of players is not to have the most possessions possible. Maybe it's to have the most good possessions possible. So maybe that's five or six less possessions a game. But everyone's like, pace, 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 threes, threes, threes. And it's like, if you're Washington, either you don't care, right? Like, it's it's not important for you this year. And it, it certainly should be when you're paying Beal and Russ combined, like, $80 million. But I, I don't know. And, and like I said, their panic their panic thing is broken. And like, like, to me, like, if you're not looking for, like, what their rebuild looks like in 22, 23, 24, like, if you're not looking to, like, give $50 million to Masai and, like, an ownership stake, like, I don't know what you're doing if you're Washington because this is bleaker yeah. than it was before without John Wall. Cause at least then you had hope like, Oh, Wall's going to come back. Like it'll be fun to have Wall and Beal again. What, now what are you waiting for? Right. And you know, you're a huge longtime Westbrook lover. I'm, I'm that way with Bradley Beal. Like I, I love the kid. I think I would not have tanked just because I think he's that good. He can keep you afloat, but it's just clear at this point, like he can't, like he's no, not, he's however not. good he is, he's not good enough to like lead a bad team into the playoffs. Like we need, we need to start talking about people like Bradley Beal. Like we need to start bringing up guys that like, they are very good at one singular thing. And Brad Beal might be like one of the best five scorers in the NBA, but like Brad Beal is in the same boat as Trey Young. Like at some point we need to stop talking behind the scenes and we need to get a little bit better at like things that really cost us. Like when, when's the last time you saw Brad Beal make like a big shot? Like he made one against San Antonio like four years ago in the regular season. But like the guy has bricked every big shot he's ever taken. Like, and I, I'm not even a clutch guy. Like I don't even think that's a, a, a real thing, but it's like you're putting up 60 in a game that you guys gave up 150 to the, the Sixers. Like you have 80 in the first half. And like, we want to talk about being an all NBA player. Like you've got to make somebody better. At some yeah. point in your career, you have to. Well, and it's it's a weird trend, maybe because we're so obsessed with stats now that, you know, these players, like, they want to put up numbers, they want to put up numbers, and um, and these guys all have, like, good, like, true shooting percentages. They all have, you know, like, but Trey Young has not been on a winning team. You know, Zach Levine's putting up huge numbers, never been on a winning team. Um. You know, Devin Booker until this last year, he's maybe the the argument that he's hey, taken it's a supporting a, cast, but he's taken a big leap as like a secondary creator and defender, though. Like, and and a big leap is like you take a leap from being like horrific to average. That's like the leap that Andrew Wiggins is like never able to do. You know, where you just 
I don't know. The Beal stuff is crazy to me, man, because he gets mentioned in the same breath as like some of the best players in the NBA, and it's like he's good at one thing, but like those guys win games with teams that are like like this. So Wizards, you would so right now a ten out of ten panic. They're two and eight. You would trade Beal and just tank, pull it out. I trade Beal. I trade Bertans. Like I, I would. I would see. I trade Robin Lopez. Like why did Robin Lopez get signed in the first place? Like Ish Smith. Like see you, buddy. Like Raul Nito's playing like more than him anyway. It's like the, the Wizards to me went all in on the fact that like they thought Beal was ready to take the leap and to be like one of the 10 best players in the NBA. And he's just not, his skill set is not indicative of doing that. And now they might be better with wall because they might be a little bit better defensively, but we talked about this before, like with Rui and with like Denny and with Davis Bertans and with Ish Smith and with Bradley Beal. And then Thomas Bryant playing a lot of minutes at the five, like the wizards have quite possibly zero average defenders. Seriously, like like who on the Wizards do you look at and you're like, okay, they're pretty good defensively? No, they're pretty bad. I mean, they're all like they're – I can't name anyone. Um, they don't even have – Like Isaac I mean, Bonga was the guy yeah, they were he's talking their about. stopper. Being like their <laughs> wing stopper. It's like – it's th- this is what I'm saying. And it's like it's like at a certain point, you know, if you're going to like berate Wall when he get, like gets – like that you trade him and you're like, oh, he threw up gang signs. He's not going to be able to play or whatever. Well, like, yeah, like you better show up and like at least be fun. Like, it's not even fun to watch them give up 140 points a game. Like, last year, they were bad defensively, but, like, they were kind of plucky, and they played pretty hard, and they scored. And it's like, okay, for one year, that's good. Like, this year, it's, like, it's like pathetic. Like, they can't, well, they can't you know, ever get a stop. I, I think sort of pulling off the gas and tanking kind of makes sense in two ways. Either you trade Bradley Beal and really embrace it, or you could make the argument, like, hey, let's shelve everybody. Maybe – you draft like a superstar, like well, let's say Cade Cunningham's really good for Oklahoma State. He might be. And then Beal's 27 right now. Maybe their primes overlap enough that you can get back into the playoff mix. Here's the problem. Brad Beal ain't going to be a Washington Wizard in two years anyway. So what are we doing? You know, like at a certain point, it's kind of like, it's not the where, same. Where do you like? To, where would you send him? Like I'm looking at the team. No, I don't, I don't, mean, I don't even mean, I don't even mean like they're going to trade him. Like they may not right, trade no, him. But I just he's not going to re-sign in Washington. Like he is, I don't know. My my opinion of Brad Beal has declined so much just as like a an ambassador and like a person in, in the last little while, too. Because I, I just think ambassador even. Well, I just think that like he went from this like super good kid who like people like, and then eventually like, you know, everybody you you, you see guys for who they really are. And like Beal wants to be a star. And we saw that like he didn't play in the bubble last year, right? Like he didn't play in the bubble, but he wanted to be like third team all NBA. And he he thought like we, we've heard him bitch about like all-star appearances and like his contract. And it's like at a certain point, guy, like we, we need to see some real results. Like we need to see that you want to like lead the Wizards. And I just don't believe it. Like I think he says the right things and I think he's a, a nice kid. I think he's a well-spoken kid, but I just don't like I don't think he cares to play in D.C., and I'm obviously too close. So you, you're so excited to talk about the Wizards because you know I get riled up about it. But it's like he's going to sign elsewhere. Like they're not going to re-sign him. So well, is, I would say the devil's advocate is, you know, you can get a good draft pick, get a new coach, can't be worse. I mean, like yeah. Scotty Brooks' defense is just like he's is, been like is, exposed. You let's know? talk about he's, that for a second. Is anyone ever going to hire Scott Brooks again as a head coach? How no, can you? How can you? I, he's a nice guy. People like him, but like. Maybe he's Brett. Maybe that's who Brett Brown actually is. Is Scott Brooks? Like, yeah. Well, Brett Brown's not getting a job. They'll both be great. Like you said, we said that about Anthony Lynn in football. Like, assistant he's like head a great coaches. assistant head coach. Yeah, because yeah. they're so good at player development and people like them. But like, 
Scott Brooks is five years into this massive deal and he has no idea who to play and when to play him. It's the same stuff as in Oklahoma city, man. It's, well, we always, you know, we've used that example before, like somehow like the media gives guys like Scotty Brooks a pass because they're nice and they get along with the media, but they wouldn't do that for a player. I mean, like if no. your starting shooting guard was like the worst in the league, but he was a really nice guy, like people would be calling for his head. Why is like I'm coaching to think like, of, allowed to get away with it? I'm trying Maybe to think Iguodala. of I think Iguodala is like that, by the way. But Well, now, but he was yeah. a really good player at a, at a point in his career. I'm trying to think of a good example of that. Like, it's like it's like Mitch Trubisky winning the Nickelodeon Most Valuable Player on Sunday, <laughs> even though he played horrific. Like he he was just awful. Well, you know what it's kind of like G- Jeter towards the end. Like he's a yeah. great defender. Like he was not a great defender. I mean, player. statistically, I think Derek Jeter was the worst defensive shortstop of all time. Like over a period of time. Like obviously, you have to have the volume. It's like Russ being bad, but you're still really good because you get a lot of chances. But yeah, it's like that. Or Kobe. Like, Kobe's being a great defender. He was not at the yeah. second half of his career. And those guys kind of earned a pass. I'm not. Right, sure. that's true. I'm not quite sure what Scott Brooks has earned. You know, if, if anything, like... You would say that about Carson Wentz. He was a media darling for a while. Yeah, well, now he's doing his best to, like... He's doing his best like Napoleon and just burning burning the ships. He's not coming back. Like, he's he's traveled outside of Philadelphia. He burned his ships. He can't get back in. I, don't, I just think, like, the Wizards thing to me, it's like the roster only made sense if you had a legitimate plan for how to overcome your defensive deficiencies. And it's very clear that they did not. So yeah, Wizards, I would say one bright, two bright spots are new coach coming in. I think Denny's been pretty good. Denny's been good. Rui's yeah. Rui's fine. Like yeah. Rui's okay. It's just that the Bertans deal already looks bad. It's really hard for a deal to look bad three weeks after it's signed with a guy that shoots like him. Like if, if they offered to trade Bertans. <laughs> did you ever see the, um, he, it was, <laughs> Um, the Heartbreak Kid. Did you ever see that movie? No. I There's think... two versions. There's a Ben Stiller version. Oh, no, Ben Stiller, and, yeah. Okay. And then there was one that was like, it was a remake of an older movie that was supposed to be better, but it was like, he gets married to this girl and then like immediately on the honeymoon, he's like, uh-oh. Oh, okay. I made a big mistake here. <laughs> I don't even know if the Wizards think they made a mistake with Bertans. Like, he's fine, but he, he serves so little purpose when you when you're down 18 when he comes into the game to make threes you know what i mean like it's just it's so bad i think if they traded bertans they would actually get stuff for him because i think there are teams that could really use bertans and certainly bradley beal would get he still has a good reputation like i think you know minnesota three and seven would they trade anthony edwards for him now see that would be something that washington should do because Anthony Edwards and Russell Westbrook together would be amazing TV. It would be incredible to watch. Did you see Anthony Edwards at the end of the game the other night against San Antonio? Was he goofball or what was he doing? So it's, it's 125-122. Rubio hits ahead. 10 seconds left in overtime. Edwards beats his man off the dribble to the wing with like eight seconds left. Literally wide open. Could have just dunked it. Thinks they need a three, even though they had timeout left, and throws it. The Spurs tip it and uh, run the clock out. And I, I was – it's a young guy trying to do too much. Like we know Edwards' IQ isn't super, super high yet, but I respected Ricky Rubio for instead of like throwing a freaking temper tantrum about the fact that like they should have been down one with a chance to foul and, and, you know, extend the game. Like Rubio actually like went up to him and like put his arm around him and like kind of explained the situation and like walked him through it. And like, no, I, I think like guys like that matter, you know, like it's, well, for a guy, it's like different coaching, like, I tend to like that sort of leadership and coaching and teaching personally, like the encouraging versus like the drill sergeant that like terrifies yeah. you and makes you like frozen with fear. But yeah. maybe sometimes guys are different, I guess. I don't, I don't know who the drill sergeant works for. Maybe guys were lazy and they need to be 
put into shape. I, don't I mean, know. some guys just have chips on their shoulder, you know, like that's just how some guys respond. Like I would say with this year's draft class and in terms of the guys that I, I'm aware of and I've watched play, I don't think there's a ton of guys like that. I just don't, I just don't think that style of coaching happens much at the amateur level anymore. And in basketball, I think, it, I mean, in football, I think that's all, most coaches are like that, right? Like they're just drill sergeants, but I don't think it's like that as much anymore in basketball because talented guys just end up doing whatever they want. So I just, it was an interesting moment. And I think like a guy like Ricky Rubio is good for Anthony Edwards because he can, you know, Ruby is a 10 year pro started for most of his career, made a lot of money, but he's not a superstar, but he knows the game. And that's a guy that Anthony Edwards needs to be around. So good for the Timberwolves. Uh, What was our other panic button? Well, there's two. I mean, do you want to talk? uh, There's two punchable ones. Jason Tatum has COVID league wide. How much should they be panicking about this? They're getting a lot of flack for their, sort of like let's soldier on mentality. And then you have Brooklyn and their star, former Celtic Kyrie Irving, who has gone away. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about Brooklyn really quickly. And then we'll talk, we'll, we'll wrap the show with coronavirus and how worried we think the NBA should be. Brooklyn. I don't, I don't know. Like KD had COVID and then the contract tracing contact tracing rules of the NBA, like he had to sit out for three games and they've changed their rules and whatnot. So, but I, I think what we talked about with Brooklyn is the biggest concern was like how personalities meshed, right? Like we figured the team would be pretty good and the Spencer Dinwiddie injury sucks. It's, it's like not fun, but like if Kyrie is already not playing and like already not communicating with the coaching staff about his decisions, I think my panic meter is like higher than it. Like if it was just like, all right, Kyrie called Steve Nash and he was like, you know what, what happened last Wednesday? It's not sitting well with me. If I yeah, can't, I mean, place- the rumor is he's gone a wall because he's apparently upset about the capital stuff. And Brianna Taylor, he was specifically mentioned as well. And like, if that's the case, I think it's okay to call your coach and call your staff and tell them like, look, I, I need a couple days. That's that's, I think that's, it's, it's fine. These guys are human. It's okay. What I don't think is okay is to go AWOL, leave your coach out to dry to try to cover for you. And then when he doesn't cover for you, make everyone else seem like they're the jerks for not caring about your feelings. And like, well, my, we can talk privately. I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but to me, it reads as like, okay, what's really going on here? Like, I understand everyone's upset about the capital stuff. And it's not just like a, you know, POC thing. I mean, it's like a threat to democracy and everything else. I mean, it's crazy. Um, I'm upset by it. I I didn't skip a beat about anything else I had to do. Um, Yeah, and we saw like this, I think like the Celtics and the Heat took a knee and started their game like a little bit later on Wednesday night, but everyone played. Like nobody sat out. And we saw some good press conferences about it. Like Kyrie's the only one that kind of, well, that that to me makes it's not like he cares more than anyone else. I think it suggests to me some sort of, you know, underlying I don't, issue, like either depression or bipolar or something where, you know, he has maybe a lifetime struggle with it sort of thing. And I understand yeah. that, or maybe he's just burnt out right now. I I understand that too. Like, I think mental health is important. Um, you know, I don't he, mind him taking time off for that. I, I think it's fine for him to just tell Steve Nash and Jack Vaughn and KD, like, look, guys, like, I, I need some time. What I don't understand is what, like, and I don't even want to, like, I want to look at it as face value, right? Like, I don't even, I don't even want to say, like, what does he want out of it? Like, I don't know that he wants anything out of it. I do think, like, at a certain point, you're right, Zan, like, the, the league has negotiated very good, like, mental health programs. And, like, 
truly Kyrie, like if, if he's upset and this is like really eating at him and he doesn't care to play basketball, like that is okay. Like it's fine. Well, I I don't know about that. I mean, listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that like you don't owe, I just think you owe it to your team to be upfront. Like we see people go through stuff like this. And just because you're a public figure who makes $30 million a year, doesn't mean that you're different and you you should be held to an entirely different standard. Right. I think it's, I think think we're kind of saying the same thing in a different way. Like it should be an excused absence. Yeah, definitely. Mental health, but he needs that like sort of permission slip. Yeah. He's got to do something about it. You can't just say, I want to sit at home because I'm upset about this. It's not how this works. You can't throw your teammates under the bus. Like, and that's why if I'm the Nets, like we've heard whispers about Kyrie before, like for example, every Boston based sports writer, like, like we've heard Simmons and like Ryan Rosillo and Kevin O'Connor all like whisper about Kyrie's time in Boston. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Zan. Have we not? Jackie McMullen, they've all kind of like talked around it. Like, Oh, you guys don't know about the locker room and whatever, but we've heard Kyrie has different days, right? There are days when he's like a great teammate. There's days. He's not a great teammate. There's days. He's okay with the media. There's days. He hates the media. There's days. He antagonizes the media. And so I just think if I'm the nets, I want to get Kyrie in a room and I want to talk to him and be like, look, man, like we're trying to win a title. You're a huge part of it. You you helped put this together. Like, what can we do? And why I think the panic meter should be a little bit higher is that like, he doesn't want to give them that chance is what it seems like. Like we, we had reports come out that like Steve Nash, like tried to call him 10 times and he didn't, he just didn't answer. Well, I think there's like two issues. Like there's the player empowerment, player empowerment run amok idea of like, it's just cool. You just take off and, and get paid. I mean, like everyone would like that sort of deal. And, you know, we've seen it before, like, you know, in the last dance, like, oh, Rodman just took off, went to Vegas, MIA for a while. Or LeBron, like, remember, he just took a couple weeks off to rest because he felt like it. Um, and then they get paid, right? I mean, no one's, like, docking their pay for this stuff because every team is terrified about being anti-player. Um, and I think the reason that that I'm not panicked, really, and I don't think the Nets are is like another sort of simultaneous issue in the NBA is that the regular season just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it seems Brooklyn's Brooklyn's not good defensively, but the other thing with Brooklyn is like, I think they're one in five against teams under 500. And I think they're four and one against teams that are over 500. I believe they're five and six as of us recording. And so like, if that's the case and they just are not taking guys seriously, plus they haven't had a chance to play all their players together. They're trying to figure it out without like Spencer Dinwiddie then I agree with you. I don't think like on the court, there's not a whole lot of reason to panic. Like Jared what, Allen's what really what, good. Like the overall media response has been like not crushing them. Like what happens if this was like during the NBA finals and he just like went missing? I don't know. Is, let me ask you a question. Do, do we think Kyrie? Do you, would you defend him? Cause you're saying like you, you I appreciate think mental health. Would I think you, it's if okay. If he came to you and said like, I need a day to like get my mind right. You'd be okay with that. I, I think I would in be the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. I think it's in game fun. seven. He says, I'm just not feeling it. What do I care if Brooklyn wins the title wins the NBA? No, I'm saying, <laughs> presuming you have an invested interest in this. Say yeah, you're the I think coach. it's fine. Say you're Steve I, Nash. I, I think it's okay. So you're I, saying you're, you're Steve Nash game seven of the NBA finals. And Kyrie says, I'm just, I mean, what are you supposed today. to, what are you supposed to tell him? I would rather here. Here's a true coach answer i would rather have him come and tell me i can't go if if i go today i'm not going to be good and it's going to hurt us i need the day off and i'd be like i would want to talk through it with him i'd want to be like yo you're one of the best 30 players in the nba 20 players in the nba like we need you but if he truly comes up to me and says like it's not my day i'd rather know that 
I'd rather know and I'd rather be able to plan to do something else. Cause if he does play and he goes one for 15, like what does that do for me? Right. I think you're insinuating though. Like, do I think this is a good enough of an excuse to miss the biggest game of your life? And I just, right. I think it's, I, well, I don't I think know. Like, sometimes it's like, you know, we tolerate, we say this sometimes like we tolerate free speech unless it becomes an actual threat. Um, I, I don't know. Zan. I, I think we tolerate, it's a- like mental health unless it actually starts affecting our lives and and affecting our chances of winning. It's a good question. I mean, I I hope whatever is the deal here, like, and if it is bigger than just Kyrie's burnt out or like whatever, like I hope he gets help in in, in a way. And I don't want to like take a leap because like, we don't know, but it just, it seems like there's something else going on because like it didn't, it didn't really like affect other people in the league. there's, There's like a human factor too, Steve Nash. I'll give you an example. Like, so we're working on a house and, um, one of the workers who, who is working on the bathroom is finishing the bathroom for us. He's just like in a bad way. He's had to take some personal time off. It wasn't sickness related and sort of a similar sort of story, not about the capital, but other stuff in his life. Yeah, of course. And, um, our initial response was like, that's fine. Like, I mean, like our bathroom tile is a lot less important than like somebody's human life. Right. And so I think having that perspective too is like the coach. I know it's a higher pressure situation, but it's true. It's like you really gonna drag this guy kicking and screaming out to play like the Sacramento Kings, like you know, in a regular season game. It's not the biggest deal in the world. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like my point. It's like, what are you gonna do? Like, if he says he doesn't want to play, like at a certain point, you don't pay him. Like, so, but what, I, do I they ever not pay them? I don't know. So I don't want to, that, that, that was, I didn't want to like get down that road. Cause I'm not a hundred percent sure how that stuff works with a contract. Right. Like, I don't know if that's covered by insurance. I don't know if he would be inactive and it would be covered by insurance. I don't, I don't know. So I don't want to say it one way or the other, but like if Kyrie just decides he's not going to play anymore, like certainly something would be done about that. Like, I don't know if it would though. Cause I think this is a league where they're like so dependent on the players and, and drawing in and being player friendly and that's how they got these two big free well, i wonder if you need to i mean i don't know i wonder if like you need to be showing that you're getting help i don't know and again he may maybe he does like maybe we're overstepping and like we don't fucking know if he needs help you know like i don't know i just think no, i presume he does i, like, I don't if think I'm, I, I'm just saying if i'm serious i'm just saying if i'm brooklyn right i'm not panicked about the on the court but i am panicked about a little bit panicked about kyrie irving because like i like you said at the start of the show it, as kind of a joke like we, we we're very hopeful for the future, but if Kyrie is a cynical individual, like Zandri Ellison, you know, who knows how good the next couple months are going to be. Probably See, not I, great. I don't know. I th- I think he'll be okay when he plays. Like, I, I don't know. I don't have, he's a good to... player. He was playing well to start the year too. That's, it, it, that's what makes me wonder about this is like, does he just like, is he just burnt out on basketball? Like, he's just not care. Like, does it not do it for him? Like, it that's a good to, question. You know? Is he burnt out on basketball? Like, remember Andrew Luck retired at 30. He just was done. And it's different. Obviously, Andrew Luck was taking 130 hits a year, you know, more than that. But like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I worry that a guy like Kyrie just doesn't want to do this anymore. And if you feel like you have to, then it makes every other day harder. You know, like, you're driving to the arena. You just don't want to be there. Right. So you, you start to see things that make you feel like, all right, it's not worth it to get in the car. And that is a form of depression, you know? And I think, that- no, absolutely. And you know, I, I can see the like, feeling like you're in groundhog day, especially for some of these guys who've been playing since the bubble. Yeah. It's like, oh just- no, we're playing again. Yeah. And I think um, like, it's, it's- it sucks for the league though, just cause it's like, you're in such a bad position. Like you, do we find the guy? Do we, what do no, we do? You, I mean, and again, I, I think it's, I, I would say Zan that there's a hundred percent chance that this is covered in the CBA mental health, like, and, and what happens with stuff like this. And so 
my biggest issue with Kyrie is like, I just think you need to be upfront with your staff. And I know how hard it is to do that as like a, a guy who plays a sport where you're supposed to be like an alpha, you know, but Kyrie always wants to be thought of as like this, like more deep existential type of guy. So you'd expect that like he would answer the phone. So that's where it's like, to well, me, that's, that's why like, I, I would sympathize with him more if it comes out like, Hey, I have this mental health issue longstanding. It's not just like, I'm such a deep thinker. Like this right. really bothered me more than most people. I mean, here's the thing too, like Brooklyn is still has the best odds to win the East on Bovada. So like, it's, it's not like the markets are reacting differently to this. Like, I think people are just like, Hey, I was going to say like, is he just Manny Ramirez? And it's just Kyrie being Kyrie. It's like, all right, we just deal with it. You know, it's Dennis, right, Rodman, or Dennis like. Rodman. Yeah. I think that actually in a way, like, and that's why from the team perspective, it's better to embrace him than to be a hard ass right now. Cause you're going to need him down the road. Yeah. And and I think they will, like if, if there's anybody that's, that's able to do this, right. They, they have guys on staff like Steve Nash has been in these situations before. He's played with a lot of people. We've heard how great he is with different personalities. D'Antoni the same way. Amari Stoudemire has been through this before. Sean Marks played in the NBA. Like these are guys that know how to deal with different personalities. And I think that hopefully Brooklyn has got an infrastructure in place that like Kyrie, if he does need help, fine. And if he just needed a week off and it's like LeBron when he went to Miami, you know, a few years back, like I guess that's okay too. It's just – if you're going to sit here, Xander, you're going to wait for things to like get better. There almost should be, you know, to make it the less awkward from the team's perspective, sort of this excuse mental health absence. It should almost be like an independent player um, union decision, Yeah, you know, because it's like you're putting the team in a very awkward position of whether to approve it or not, whether to be the hard ass, because it's like, take it further. What if he shows up? You know, in March, she's like, hey, guys, sorry, I just needed some time off. I'm like, back. See, yeah. I mean, yeah. like you do need some sort of repercussion at some point. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Like I said, I would expect by our next recording that Kyrie will have started yeah. to play for the Brooklyn Nets again. So uh, last thing, I guess, and this is kind of an interesting story. So Jason Tatum has COVID. He tests positive for COVID. And it sort of set off this, like, massive chain reaction where a ton of teams were down players. And, like the Sixers played a game with realistically like seven healthy guys. We got to see Tyrese Maxey go for 39. That was kind of fun. But I, I have also gotten some texts from some casual fans that have said like, what do I think about is the NBA going to like have to bubble up again? And I just, I want to let you know that unfortunately, like we don't have these odds on Bovada, but like it's a 0% chance that they would bubble before the playoffs. I just, they're not going to do it. They're just going to do the NFL thing. I think, which is where you just pretend like everything's great, right? You just play your games and you just go for it. It's a little different because the NFL has rosters of like 55 active players and the NBA does not, but I think we're going to see some games get canceled. I think we're going to, I'm surprised that the panic and the reaction has been as strong as it has. Like there's another uh, NBA podcast called Dunktown, And, um, they said, we're not covering the NBA right now at a protest of, you know, the COVID treatment. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I think if people want to not be hypocritical about things, like I think it's okay to do no, that. No, it's fine. Yeah. I feel that way about football sometimes. Like, am I morally conflicted about rooting and watching football? I don't know, but I, 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 I definitely don't... watched 18 hours of football all this past week. I know. But I don't feel that way with the NBA. I feel like they're doing as good of a job as they could. I mean, it's like they're, they're soldiering on. I, I think COVID's going to get better. We're seeing a vaccine. The winter's going to pass us by. It's going to be bad January. Yeah, this is but, almost like just the holiday kind of like yeah. spike, which you would expect for the NBA would be smaller, obviously. And by the time they get through it, then you're just kind of like. Well, I just understand why they didn't have just super deep rosters for this reason. Yeah, we talked about this. Like, why not just have 20 active guys this year? And then have five to stay home and just, like, in case of emergency, break the I glass. Mean, I mean, obvi- honestly, like, the Sixers roster was was hilarious. 
like against Denver. I mean, it, it really like they're, they're playing a, a very good. Team. But like you know that it's different in the NFL because it's like they have bigger rosters, but they're so specialized. It's like Denver Broncos, like all three of their quarterbacks, they have literally no quarterbacks left in the NBA. Like you know, oh Zan, they played Dakota Mathis forty-one minutes. <laughs> I, you know, but still, Isaiah, I mean, he's Isaiah a Joe, player. Isaiah Joe played forty-five minutes for for the Seventy Sixers. But he's a guy who who can play forty minutes. He's a professional basketball player. Yeah, of player. course. Is, but you know. you're not going to win. You're not going to win this game. Like you, you know, they 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 had. I, I want to say Mike Scott was actually active and got a DNP CD, but he's actually hurt. They they literally had an injured player active to having the number of players capable yeah. of playing the game, and like that is in a lot of ways, that's kind of a joke. Like it's kind of makes you feel like, well, maybe they don't care about COVID. But like again, with the we, we saw this with the NFL, like. The Browns won a playoff game on Sunday night without their head coach. And the league just was like, we're not, we're not doing anything about this. Like, this is, this is how it's been all year. Like you've gotten COVID like big deal, you know? And I think in terms of like, do sports instill some sense of normalcy? Like most days? Yes. But yeah, when you watch the Sixers and the Nuggets play and you're like, why is this guy Dakota Mathis taking 13 shots in an NBA game? Like, or like, what, why is Tyrese Maxey taking 33 shots? Like it's, I don't know. I don't. They're not. They are not going to go to a bubble, though. I am. Yeah. See, yeah, my panic level is low just because I think it's going to get better. I think they the might bubble. Cases. I could see them bubbling the playoffs. Like we just saw college basketball announced they're going to bubble the NCAA tournament in in, in Indianapolis, and that's kind of a good. I can idea. see some games getting canceled, but again, to like our earlier point, like who cares if it's there's not you know yeah. 65 games or 72 games it's just not matter. been a big deal right and they need to play a certain amount to, to get them back and they, they have built in i do believe they've built in a week i can't remember if it's like at the end of the year or in the middle of the year but they've built in a week where they'll be able to make some games up but like again you know part of like you're playing sports and we've seen this in every sports league literally every single league that's playing sports with like the exception of like English Premier League, like there have been tons of guys to get COVID and like they just don't play a couple games and then they they're back and it's fine. You just forgot about it. Right. It happened in college football played all but like five games. I think like the SEC played all but like three games or something. They're going to play their national championship like college basketball hasn't had a ton of games. They had a bunch of games canceled at the beginning and now nobody's talked about the nightmare scenario is. You know, everyone thinks like these are athletes they are top top of the line. They're healthy. Some of them have like risk factors. Like if you're like seven two, like your body is kind of janky, right? I mean, or if you're in the NFL and you're three hundred and eighty pounds, defensive lineman, like who knows what's going on? Under I mean, that's the hood, you know. That's what we've said from the start. Is like, it, but nobody, you know, there have been guys that have really, you know, Nasir Little wrote about losing twenty pounds when he he got COVID and how hard it's been for him to like get his wind back to where it was prior to having it. And I think like those stories need to be seen, but like, we haven't seen anybody die, which, you know, knock on wood, like, right. and I think that that's why the NBA is just like, Hey, these are strong guys and they get, they get the best treatment and we'll just go from there. But it, it does, you know, they're not, they're not going to stop the season. Like they're not. So we'll see, maybe LeBron gets it and then we'll see what happens. He seems to be the one guy that, that moves the needle on league wide decisions, but no, nobody else. Not to be um, libelous. Or slanderous, but I think LeBron has so jacked up with whatever he's got going on in his body. It's like Captain America <laughs> serum going on that I don't think a virus could survive. <laughs> it would just, it would just, it would immediately just, be melted, it would immediately die. Yeah, that's that's probably true. That wouldn't that wouldn't stun me. LeBron is an impressive individual. There, that is that is for sure. All right, that's it for us this week. I guess panic meter. 
talk about something good next week when we when what we, about nfl picks because I, I i don't know if you cut it last week but i think i said rams and colts those spread. both covered that is correct covered at least you were two and oh you your rams colts money line parlay i know well, not, i got a little over ambitious overly ambitious but can you give some football picks because you have a big college game that we probably will not we'll probably have air no this will air this will air after the national championship okay so, so what about uh, nfl picks i mean the one spread that i think is ridiculous like i i I just think like, and this is not just Bovada, like this is everybody, but I I don't understand like how Kansas City is a 10 point favorite against Cleveland. And I'm not saying that they won't cover 10 points. It's just that like Kansas City hasn't covered a game in like two months, right? Like the reputation is like inflated. And and, and Cleveland is not good. Like Cleveland is, it was by far the worst statistical team in the playoffs this year. Now they beat the crap out of a, a wash Ben Roethlisberger on Sunday night. And Mike Tomlin made one of the dumbest decisions I've seen and like same with like Baltimore if Mike Vrabel's like a little bit better of coach in the fourth quarter like maybe Baltimore doesn't win and so I think like that Buffalo minus three spread I like Baltimore a lot but I think like that Buffalo minus three is probably one that people are going to be all over because I think they don't think Baltimore is very good and then I think I, I just don't know how Cleveland plus 10 isn't something that people are going to hammer because and, and again Kansas City may come out and just blow them away like certainly could happen but it just doesn't make sense that Kansas City would be a ten-point favorite over anybody right now, especially with a, a essentially a two-week layoff. Right? I'll, get, I'll give you my picks because no one's listening to your picks for football. No, you just asked me. I'm just breaking them down. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to bet Baltimore. To be honest with you, I'm gonna I'm gonna take. Well, I, I as you said, I was two and zero last week, so that's a good chance likelihood that I'll go zero and two this week. But I see you're a big Lamar Jackson fan. Baltimore plus three. The advanced stats, SRS said Baltimore's a little bit better than Buffalo. Yeah, they do. So why and is Buffalo's not ama- Baltimore's not a- Buffalo's not amazing against the run? And if they I slow the game Baltimore down, Josh Allen win. gets less possessions. All right, so you're going to take Baltimore too. That's bad that we agree on that. And then I want to see the other thing. I always say I think the Rams are legitimately their defense is just very very good, and I would take them plus seven if they're healthy. You know, if Cooper Cup's playing, if Aaron Donald's playing. Yeah, Cup, one of the quarterbacks is playing. You know? Yeah, Cup walked off at the end of the game, right? Against yeah, Seattle. and Donald was hurt. But, you know, just give me one decent quarterback, and I think they have a chance to to be in a close game. They're plus seven in Green Bay? I would take them to win. If if you told me Goff was 100%, I would take them to win. Yeah, because every once in a like while. like 30%. Every once in a while, you get, like, a really good Goff game. Like, out of nowhere, right? Like, he's average, he's bad. And then, like, randomly, like, once every, like, six weeks, it's like, man, Jared Goff's, like, pretty good. And their receivers are good. And their running back collection, Acres and, like, Malcolm Brown and those guys, like, they're pretty good. But, all right, so you're on Baltimore plus three, Rams plus seven. I am going to be on... Saints minus three, Baltimore plus three would be my two picks. Yeah, I like the Saints too. Um, All right, well, we'll be back next week. All right, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. MTV Challenge accepted. Sometimes Thursdays, sometimes Fridays. Get in <laughs> get in on it, subscribe, and then email the show, ZanderGellison at gmail.com. And uh, Zan, as always, buddy, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.